right, Bitcoin Accumulation Country, it's that time of the week again. My name is Coin Icarus. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. We are in season three, and this is episode 36. Well, hope everybody's having a great week. We are about to kick off a really interesting technical podcast with Ben the Carman. We are going to talk about BIP8, BIP9, and discrete log contracts, or in brackets, oracles on Bitcoin. But before we do that, first, we want to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Crypto Cloaks, where you can get all your Bitcoin 3D printing design needs fulfilled. And because we're so proud to have Crypto Cloaks as our sponsor, um, we are going to do a coupon code uh, that gives all the listeners 5%. We're going to put it in the show notes. You get 5% off um, any of your orders. And the coupon code is fun with Bitcoin. So don't forget to check out CryptoCloaks.com. And before we get into the interview with Ben the Carman, we are going to talk about dollar cost averaging and Swan Bitcoin. For anybody who is interested in dollar cost averaging and who wants to be purchasing Bitcoin but doesn't want to be spending their time constantly watching the charts and listening to traders that they really have no idea whether these people are credible or not, and you kind of just want to put this in kind of in a passive sleep mode where you're simply just accumulating and hodling, being able to transfer that Bitcoin out to your own private address. So if you're interested in doing that and that falls in, in your wheelhouse, then you are looking for Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, the three main takeaways are we've we can do automatic withdrawal from a bank account, automatic purchases of BTC. You can time them based on your uh, when you receive your check. You know, you can do it, uh, you know, let's say once um, you can do it once a month um, or you can do it per pay period as well. Um, there's lots of options for you to be able to customize how you purchase. And you could automatically withdraw to your uh, your chosen address. So if you're interested in a Bitcoin only platform um, that is doing the uh, the great work of helping onboard people, then you definitely want to check out Swan Bitcoin. I'm going to have the uh, the link to their website in the show notes. I hope everybody's ready for an interesting chat. Here is my conversation with Ben the Carmen. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I'm your host, Coin Icarus, or Phil, uh, whichever way you want to address me. And joining me today is a gentleman that I actually uh, started to uh, uh, to follow on Twitter. And um, he, I, I mean, I, I've gone back and forth with him just a couple of times, mostly just read his tweets. And um, he ended up working on a project uh, for the Hack Sprint that I found very interesting called Discrete Contracts. And... Um, discrete log contracts, excuse me. And um, anyways, from from that point, uh, I started to look a little more in depth at his posts and I noticed that, you know, he put a lot of tweets out about BIP8. And so I asked him to come on my podcast and he agreed. So with me today is Ben the Carman. Ben, thank you so much for coming on my pod. Thanks for having me, Phil. I'm excited to be here. It, it's uh, it's very cool to, uh, to have you on. Um, I definitely you're you're one of my more uh, um, favorite accounts that I follow on Twitter. Uh, you're you're kind of like a no nonsense guy, so I, I do appreciate it, and uh, I, I like that. You're you're one of my signal accounts, 
So. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. I try, I try to ship posts, but I also try to uh, put out some good signal as well. So I appreciate that a lot. Thanks. No, it's 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 clear which way. It's clear when you're doing either. So so don't worry, you're uh, you're good. Um, but uh, before before we get into talking about BIP eight and we get into talking about uh, discrete log contracts, um, I I always want to start off with the rabbit hole story and pretty much you know the thinker behind the thought if you know if you care to share you know where were you before bitcoin and how you got here yeah yeah um so i am like a lot of people class of 2017 i was home for thanksgiving break from college and uh i watched some comedy podcasts and they were talking about bitcoin like look at this thing it's going way up and like they're talking about like other oh, like random shit coins too. Like Quadriga CX came up in that conversation, which is pretty hilarious. But um, after that, I was like, kind of to look in this thing. I bought like 50 bucks on Coinbase. I'm like, okay, I'm set for life if this thing takes off. And I like did the math. I'm like, okay, no, I'm not. This sucks. <laughs> so I like that. Well, but then I was still like, I don't know. It was, it was like just stuck in my head. So I watched like a million Andreas videos after that. And then like, I was fully down the rabbit hole at that point. And uh, I just got really intrigued. Like, I remember when Safedine's book came out, I was like, oh, this guy tied this Austrian economics thing to Bitcoin, not knowing that, like, oh, this is like one of the core foundations of it. And, like, after reading his book, that took me down like a whole nother rabbit hole of, like, oh my gosh, this thing goes so much deeper and has such, like, wide societal, societal impact. So um, after that, I was fully convinced but um at the time i was still going to college for computer science so um december 2018 um like a year after just like basically spending all my time like just watching bitcoin videos and bitcoin twitter and absorbing as much bitcoin content as i could i was like you know what i'm i'm actually a developer i could work on this thing so that's when i like wiped all my computers put linux on them and tried to start working on uh, Bitcoin Core. Shortly after, I got like my first Core PR merge, which I thought was really cool. Now I have like maybe ten or so PRs merged. And then, um, and then school started back up, so I had to kind of put that down for a while. But then that summer, I worked on Wasabi for a while, and that was a lot of fun. Learned a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, got to interact with, you know, Nopara, Max Hillebrand, um, all the other devs on there. Really smart guys, and they taught me a whole lot. And uh, since then, uh, it started back up at school. And then uh, once I graduated, I started back here at Sherdbits, where now I'm doing like things like discrete log contracts. And I've been doing that since um, like beginning of 2020, pretty much. And I've been loving that. So yeah, that's my basically Bitcoin story, I'd say. Very cool. Well, I've got some questions for you on that because your your story. I'm also class of. Uh, I would consider myself class of 2017 because I I came to Bitcoin in uh, like mid 2016 for medium of exchange, and then after that tumbled down the shitcoin rabbit hole in 2017 with the pump. So same oh. same class. Uh, Don't worry, I, I did the same too. I, for there was a time <laughs> being where I, I was a huge nano shill, and I thought like instant prepayments was the way to go, and then. And I figured out, well, it's not really, not really instant or free. So these guys always attack us. I always find these nano shills on, on Bitcoin, on, on Bitcoin threads. And it's always like the same guy too. It's like this one guy that they have 
that uh, that comes on <laughs> and, and and he just like you know talks about how it's completely free and you know talks about how like it, it is decentralized because they have so many nodes and but it's yeah. like yeah there's so like, much well, more to it yeah it's like well the founders printed all of it for themselves originally so it's not really decentralized and and the founder's also pretty sketchy i know that we're supposed to leave people's personal lives out of it but if you do a little digging into the founder you'll see that uh he's he's got some nefarious uh <laughs> he, he's got some uh he's got an interesting past so um okay but besides nano because we don't really care about shit coins uh, <laughs> but yeah i i thought nano was cool too for you know a little while so i i do i, I do admit to that shit coining um you talked about the andreas videos okay so I, look, I also watched uh, a ton of videos. Do you have one specific video? I always recommend to people uh, this video that he made called um, uh, 50 Currencies Worth Less Than Goat Shit. Um, do you... I, don't think, I don't remember that one. It's I one know... of his talks. You know, like it's yeah. like a talk he did at NXT. But do you recall the one specific... Is there one specific video? I know most people point to the um, the Bubble Boy one where like he it says like... All the banks are like this bubble and like bitcoin is like you know the brick that can't be broken or popped and that was the first one i watched so i didn't get the full depth of it really like after rewatching it later i was like oh okay yeah this is i understand that like every point he's making here now but i i, I was just like him just talking about like just he basically just drilled into my head like bitcoin's here to stay and it's unstoppable and i think that was just like the biggest takeaway from any andre's video that i got fair enough and and it's true i mean if you watch it, like all of his videos kind of do start to come together at one point and it just all you have is that general message so i, I definitely agree um it, it's uh, it kind of has that effect you know um you had mentioned also that you worked at wasabi for for a time um, are you at liberty to discuss what exactly uh, you were working on with them? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just, all, it's just all open source stuff. Because um, last summer they did like a Wasabi contribution game, which was basically um, so like anyone can contribute to Wasabi since it's open source. They said like during this month contributions will be like you'll get a little bit of sats, like weighed off like how big your contribution is. Now it's just working like a minimum wage job um, over the summer. So I was like, well, my free time to make some sats and contribute to Wasabi. So I did that for a month and I really fell in love with like that project. And uh, I, I made some decent amount of sats. So I was like, this is fun. And then the next month I still had like a month left of summer. So then I like just uh, continued working on the project in my free time. And I just did general like basic improvements to the wall. I added some features that people enjoy now i'd say like i added uh being able to like set your own fee rate versus like just using their slider or uh and i did like a, a whole bunch of like ui improvements just like cleaning things up or patching small bugs which helped a lot which i think was really fun cool yeah i, I like um i mean in terms of i don't do any any real coding uh, i do troubleshooting but i i do agree that sometimes some of those tasks that other people may you know, not appreciate, like, you can really find, uh, you know, like, you, you can really find a, a good space in there and, like, realize that, you know what, like, this really helped the overall user experience, and that's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's, like, a lot of, like, just, like, issues I'd, like, go through on the tracker, just, like, oh, this is a very small UI bug that is annoying, but 
you know, like if you're like a cryptography researcher, a privacy researcher, you don't want to just spend an hour trying to figure this out. <laughs> but you know, college age like me, who's just got free time, is like, yeah, I can spend an hour figuring this out. And <laughs> it was, I don't know, I learned a lot from it. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's exactly the key, you know, it's what you take away from it. So that that's absolutely awesome. Okay, so, um, so the next the next question is is, um, so, in in Bitcoin, when you want to submit a, a proposal, you have a, a BIP, right? The Bitcoin it's the Bitcoin improvement proposal. Is that yep? Okay, perfect. Okay, and you specifically in your tweet name, uh, you have BIP eight. So for the listeners and myself, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I really understand it entirely. Can you? Can you explain, I guess, what BIP-8 is? We'll start with that. Yeah. Um, first to explain BIP-8, I think, is actually better to explain BIP-9. Um, <laughs> stick with me first. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, so we'll start with BIP-9. So um, maybe even before BIP-9, we'll, we'll start with what a soft fork is in Bitcoin. So okay, cool. To, so what a soft fork is, is you want to make a change to the actual Bitcoin uh, protocol, either like what transactions look like or like what blocks look like like for example adding a block size limit like satoshi did for a while ago or you know adding segway which was another software we did so what bib 9 is is basically a way to coordinate how to do that software like originally like like in 2010 what uh, they would do for a software could just say like oh guys at block height you know a hundred thousand the new rule is going in the chains. Make sure you upgraded your node to uh, to be ready if you want to be validating those rules or mining blocks that are under those rules. But um, that's not really socially scalable, at especially at the scale where Bitcoin's worth like hundreds of billions of dollars. So now we have uh, BIP, or then so people started using BIP nine, which is a way for miners to signal that they're ready for the upgrade. So that way, like if it was like the upgrade would change like the block format slightly then miners wouldn't just be like mining invalid blocks and causing a big chain split they could send instead like signal they're ready and then once 95 percent signal they are ready then we'll do the upgrade so at most only five percent will be like producing invalid blocks so there won't be like some chain split and like you know people losing lots of money but um as we all know segwit was uh, a whole kerfuffle and that was trying to use dip nine <laughs> But uh, like two main takeaways from Segwit was a there is a big problem with uh, you know miners being able to basically vote on if it was coming, and then uh, another problem was uh, that the the timeout for like when the miners signal was a, a real world time, not a block time or a block height. So um, basically, BIP8 fixes both of these, which um, one it uses block heights instead of block times. So then, um, so if miners like produce blocks slowly or quickly, it doesn't change the schedule of the upgrade coming. And then there's a parameter in it where it's called lock-in on timeout. So you could say at the end of the signaling period, if miners didn't signal, we could still just say, well, screw you guys, we're activating it. Kind of like a UASF at the end of it. So um, BitBait's one of the proposals to be used for activating Taproot and uh, I think that's the correct way to do it, so that's why I have it in my in my Twitter handle. Okay, so so how I guess so how does BIP eight uh, help activate 
taproot because after that we're going to be able to get to discrete log contracts right because discrete log contracts can't come in without taproot am i mistaken um i don't want to go too far but i guess okay so let me go back i'm, I'm sorry okay. so no, you're good okay so how does so how does bip8 um help with taproot is it because of the the lock in timeout or uh it's just like we need a way to activate it and you know i mean we could do bip9 we could just say you know at block height x where we're activating it but ideally we do it in a non like centralized coordinated way so um there's like a million different proposals right now like some of them are using like combinations of bip8 and bip9 some of them are saying like uh, most of them are just like different variations of bip9 of like how long to set the timeout or if we're gonna do the the lock-in on timeout but in general it's just like um we need a way to activate taproot onto the network so um basically once the the code is ready and merged into core then we can decide like okay we're gonna start the activation process on this height and it's gonna end on this height and whether or not we want to act or activate or not if the miners don't signal in time but uh keep in mind as well like besides segwit almost every other soft fork that was like a minor activation soft fork it didn't take like the entire time like the one right before segwit took two months even though it was like scheduled to take a year so more than likely once we start act the activation process it'll be done pretty quickly so okay i've been doing some digging and of course i'm not uh at, you know abreast uh, like you are to you know the uh the developers i'd say and you know and the code but Okay, so the last thing I checked, which was probably like six months ago, it it seemed that we were like at a standstill to get Taproot implemented. So has that changed? Like somebody, I forget who it was that I spoke with uh, on Twitter, but they had uh, indicated approximately like two years. Um, and keep in mind, this was like six to eight months ago. Yeah. So are um, we are we any closer or are yeah. we still trying to figure out how to activate it or when to activate it? Yeah, I mean, like, the activating and the actual code are, like, two separate conversations. Um, right now, the actual taproot code for Bitcoin Core is up as a PR. It recently lost its, like, work-in-progress tag, so it's, like, quote-unquote ready. They're, I know they're still doing a bunch of touch-ups on it and review. But uh, otherwise, and then um, the, like, Schnorr libraries that Bitcoin relies on is the PR for that is um, still in review, but that one is very close to being ready okay so um the code is basically there it could like if if someone was just like it needs to be in there today we could do it but um people want to be slow about it and methodical yeah. and smart so but uh so it's like ready it's just the activation process is going to be the long part but you know i bet by like a year from now i bet we'll have segway and like activated these these terrible conscientious coders that want to do things right. It's like you know why why can't they just move fast and break things? Right, just, just right? press the button. That's activate it. it. Just, you know, <laughs> move fast and break it, and then who cares? It's just billions of dollars. We'll just flip the switch. No, but you know, obviously, I'm being facetious, and you know, of course, like that. That's what you know some Ethereum putts would want. But the, the reality is, is that we're obviously very pleased that everybody's taking their time and they're digging into this. So, okay. So I think like the timeline hasn't really shifted that much from six to eight months ago. I feel like we're still in that ballpark of like possibly a year out at least. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, like the biggest 
mystery right now is like when we'll start the activation progress, but that should be soonish, depending on like Bitcoin Core's release schedule and like how how fast it takes for the review. But I presume it won't be too too long. Okay, very cool. So okay, so from here we're gonna we're gonna jump to. You work at Sherbits and you work on discrete log contracts, which um, has been explained to me as oracles on Bitcoin. And of course, lots of shitcoin shills, you know, talk about, you know, talk about Link and talk about oracles on Ethereum. And that's all fine. But, well, you know, for us, we're interested in, uh, you know, like the the I guess would say the Oracle implementation on Bitcoin. And if I understood it correctly, um, Taproot and well, Taproot, I guess, implies Schnorr. Like, Taproot can't come into existence without Schnorr, right? Um, I'm not too sure about that, but, like, it's 100% going to come with Schnorr. Okay, so it is... So Okay, so one is... I'm just trying to figure out if they have a dependency yeah. on each other. But um, but Taproot is required for discrete long co log contracts. Is that correct? Um, to do them on Lightning, it'll make it much easier. But um, I mean, I've you can do discrete log contracts already. Um, back in like 2019, uh, some of the blockstream guys like manually did a discrete log contract on mainnet already. So they have been done. I've done like 100 of them on testnet, uh, just like developing with them. But uh, yeah, they're definitely doable. Do you want me to go into like what they are? Yeah, definitely. Like yeah. I, but I, I'm gonna try. I always try to explain it in a real world situation, and I think one of the best ways to explain it is um, kind of like uh, an insurance contract, where you know if the certain event occurs, then essentially the payout would occur, and so it's like a real world scenario that then has a an on chain application. That's yeah. the easiest way I can figure it out. But please. Um. I like to use this example. So, do you know, Mr. Or American Hoddle and Peter McCormack, they're doing their bet with, yeah. uh, on who wins the U.S. election. Absolutely. So, what, they, so what they're doing is um, they have a two of three multi-sig, like a Bitcoin output, where they have like they're both their their Bitcoin in it. And they, they each have a key, but then Phil Geiger from Unchained Capital also has a key. So their plan is once like whoever wins the election, like say uh, Trump wins, then so then, Mr. So then, uh, American Hoddle gets the money. So him and Peter can sign a transaction to spend it, or him and Phil Geiger can sign a transaction to spend it, and then they receive their funds. But uh, what Discrete Log Contracts does is basically makes it so you don't need like your Phil Geiger to help you be the like arbitrator of it. What you instead do is have someone else just oh. sign a message saying, like, uh, yes, this person won the election, and then they will use that signature to make their transaction valid to spend without needing them to do like a two of three multi-sig so you'd have like a two of two and that makes it like a lot better for both sides because for one the oracle now isn't like a escrow and then there's like a whole bunch of legal ramifications there you might have to like kyc people or like you know if they're even just keeping information that's like a privacy leak and then for the users as well so now like they, the Oracle doesn't know that their signature was used, so they don't know like who's using them. So then the users have privacy from the Oracle, as well as then no, and then and then it's just a two of two multi-sig. So it looks like, you know, it could be a Lightning transaction, it could be like a blockchain green output, it could be you know whatever a two of two multi-sig transaction is, which is a lot more common than a two of three. 
So this is very interesting. So this would, um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this would be the type of technology that eventually could have like a, a UI built around it that would maybe help with um, insurance companies or I, I'm trying to think of like anything else, like, I don't know, mortgages or something like that. Like, I feel like, I, I feel like maybe even somehow law. I don't know why. Yeah, you, you can <laughs> but, do a lot of things with it. Like, um, one thing is we talked about is doing like like a synthetic asset where like you basically just do like a real quick like contract for difference. Say like if you want to make like Bitcoin, but uh, but you're actually like holding like effectively silver, you just do like constantly like reoccurring contract for difference of the silver price. So then like your Bitcoin or like your holdings basically changes according to the value of silver. So you could do something like that, or you could just do like basically hedging where, you know, like say you're a miner and you want to like place a bet on like difficulty, you could have an Oracle like signing difficulty or, and then, you know, if the price or if the difficulty goes down too much, then you get like funds back or you lose funds, whatever your contract is. So there's like, or you could just do like a full, like a decentralized exchange kind of thing where, you know, you're just betting on like, what's the price of, I don't know, Twitter stock and then it's just denominated in Bitcoin. You get that back depending on the end of the contract. It's I find it very interesting, but it's also it. I don't know. It's also complex because I, I understand uh, to me, it seems like everything behind it is very complex to make this all happen. So um, I guess which what part of it do you work on at uh, at Sherbits? Like, do you kind of just work on everything or? Um, yeah, kind of. So a lot of the. <laughs> The implementation part of like the actual like transaction, like uh, signing, like and the transaction formatting, is all done by my coworker Nadav. But um, I've been doing most of the wallet side implementation of it. So like um, how the wallets talk to each other to negotiate this, as well as you know how do we store all these signatures, and then how do we um, like verify it all, and then create these sign or transactions. So. Do you um do you see a use case where somebody would have this functionality like built into their uh, I guess like I'm thinking about a retail user like myself like we would have this built into our Bitcoin wallets or would it be um, or would it be part of like a a a, a Bitcoin like like gambling site or I, I don't sorry <laughs> no no these are all good fair or questions so. I mean, it totally could be part of a wallet. So like, say, say like, you know, you're a gambler, you just download like gambler wallet and now it's got, you know, if you want to bet on these horse races or these, you know, these elections or football game, whatever, what have you, you just, as long as you have an Oracle signing the events of any, uh, any outcome, then you could theoretically do a DLC on that and, uh, like bet on it with that. So you could totally do something like that. Um, and then even so, um, they're also just like very privacy preserving. So like we could just have them like be part of like a giant coin join and you know, people are doing DLCs, but also some people could be doing like a coin join as well. And you'll both be mixing your non anonymity sets. So um, there's other like use cases where it's reason to put it into a wallet without having everyone use it. Okay, so let me ask you this because um, I, uh, as I explained before the show, I uh, I host the uh, the Lightning Node roundtables, and we've been doing the uh, the Lightning uh, the uh, Hack Sprint wrap ups, right? Uh, from uh, I think it's Je uh, 
Fulmo, Fulmo Lightning that's been sponsoring those, so shout out to him. Um, okay, and you worked on, as well, PTLCs. Okay, now, uh, what is it? Is it point time lock contracts? Yep, yep. Nice! So, uh... Okay, so <laughs> if, you, if you can, let's try... The, what is the simplest way we can... Because I have to be honest, I tried to explain... Because uh, somebody asked me about Bitcoin Oracles on uh, Bitcoin Kindergarten, which is this the uh, like a new kind of like up and coming podcast that uh, Nick and uh, My Living Truth host. And um, okay, and I got incredibly mixed up between discrete log contracts and PTLCs. So if you can, what is the simplest way we can explain PTLCs? <laughs> um, so uh, simple way. So simple well, way. <laughs> I know it's tough. The, it's like... the simple like. For the average user, they'll never know. They they should never know they're using a PTLC, but um, it's more of like a technical term of like how your Lightning channel is set up. So like today, Lightning channels use HTLCs, which means a hash time lock contract. So that means like when you negotiate or do a payment, uh, you reveal a, a, the preimage to a hash to uh, unlock your money and get your funds to complete mm -hmm. your payment. But instead of doing that which um, with PTLCs, you instead basically reveal a private key to a public key. Um, so what that lets you do is once we have like things like Schnorr, then you can add up all these points. And then, uh, so you could have like multiple different PTLCs all relying on each other instead of, because um, with the hash, you lose information like by hashing it. With mm -hmm. the, uh, otherwise, but with the, like going from public key to private key, you're not losing information you're just basically doing multiplication so you can add them all up and then do multiplication again and you're still not losing information it's just all the information is aggregated oh. now basically okay so so yeah so um these like these D, uh, sorry dlcs are <laughs> really enabled by this because um the oracle signature is basically just a point so you can make so with a PTLC you can basically just add that point to part of your PTLC, and now your Lightning payment is reliant on the Oracle signature. So then, um, so basically then you can do like a DLC on Lightning that way. Okay. I'm okay. So going back to your original point that the average user should never know they're using it. So it's kind of like it's it's just an underlying protocol. It's not gonna have a. Um, like a, a visible aspect to a person using a lightning node. No, no, they should never know. Like it, okay. it's totally just like what the script is. It's on under your the transaction. sheets. Yeah. So like, okay, cool. Like if you're scared by everything I just said, just like just don't worry. <laughs> That's you'll never have to worry about that. That's gonna be something that that I'll have to worry about sadly and code all that. <laughs> No, but we but we appreciate it, and I think it's I think it's really cool. And I I mean, don't get me wrong, but that is an issue of having data loss. And in this particular case, I look I for what I do for work in troubleshooting databases, people people obviously can't handle data loss. So I equate it to this. I mean, this to me is you know it's like a, it's a it's another way of making it possible so that all the data stays intact. Yeah, yeah, so, you're not like. But you're also like, revealing less information as well, if I understood that correctly or not. Um, because no, there, it's no? just like a random private like point and like random key that you're generating. It's not like any oh. private information, but um, oh, okay. But, it, but I mean, theoretically, with PTLCs, it enables more use cases on Lightning. So hopefully that means 
there's more stuff going on Lightning, which is more private than on-chain Bitcoin. So I guess more private if you send it that way. Very cool. Very cool. Man, Ben, this is, uh, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and explaining this. Um, I, I mean, I've done a lot of reading on this and it, it really, uh, I, I just find it to the average user, you know, I find it confusing, but at the same time, the way that I learn is that the more often I'm exposed to something, the more comfortable I feel with it. And, you know, it's like, this is, uh, this is very cool. So, um, I got to ask you, when are you going to, when are you going to come on the, uh, the, the, uh, Bitcoin kindergarten? Bitcoin Q&A Kindergarten, because I know those guys are, they, they definitely want you to come on and talk some of this. Oh, I'd love to come on. I Honestly, I, I don't even know when they are. I always see them talking about it, but but um, I've been too busy a lot lately, but yeah, I'd be totally down. Um, I know they, like me and my coworker Nadav, we did a presentation for Bitcoin Magazine about DLCs, and uh, they commented on it, like, you guys need to come on, but we haven't gotten the formal you know come at this time but yeah we should totally just jump on and all right i'm gonna work out i'm gonna bug nick and uh and uh my living truth (laughs) (laughs) um so i mean look i'm gonna uh, i've got no more questions for you i'm i'm like totally i've got to go back and do some serious reading um but do you have any uh i guess like what's you know besides the discrete log contracts is there anything else you're you're looking into when uh in the bitcoin space stuff that you're interested in uh, I mean, I'm, I, I really like uh, privacy-oriented stuff, and um, I've, I've been following Wabi Sabi a lot, but not enough to speak on it, sadly. Mm-hmm. But, but um, I don't know. I mean, DLC kind of scratches my itch with privacy stuff because uh, <laughs> it, it, it is like it's just a more private way to do contracts, so can't complain there. I, I totally think that it is one of those things that um, is going to really cement Bitcoin into um, a different layer of the mainstream because it's now going to enable these types of things that have required um, expensive people to do. Um, yeah, if, yeah. If, you know, like it's there's a lot of like there's a lot of middlemen in contracts and this takes a lot of these middle people out. So yeah, like you know, today, like if you want to, you know, hedge your bet on a stock, you know, you got to You'll have, you might have lawyers, you might have like, you know, a hedge fund that you're dealing with, you might have exchange fees versus this, you know, you pay a couple bytes for a, you know, a signature and that's it, some on-chain fees. Yeah, man. It's, I, that. I think it is totally, it's one of those things that people, like, I, I think that people don't know how big this is. And when they look back at it, when it gets like, you know, when it's fully implemented and starts being used, people are going to look back and be like, holy shit for real yeah yeah i think it's really now, cool when i when i first started working at shared bits um and this is like yeah this is the main thing we're working on basically for like a thing i was like okay this is kind of niche but uh i guess and then like after you know really working with it for a while i'm like oh okay yeah this this could be huge because just it just enabling like smart contracts on bitcoin like in a more private way like for one you can shut up all the shit coiners and say you know we, we can't do that on bitcoin and and it's better because it's more private and then, you know, we get to take on the, like even more of the fiat world, which, you know, can't complain there. Nope. That's right, man. You, this, this is like, this is the double-edged sword where the Bitcoiners win on both sides. You know, we take out the shitcoiners and we piss off the fiat lovers, you know? Well, they're not really lovers. They're just fiat slaves. Um, <laughs> but they, they, they don't know that. But um, yeah, man. So, uh, so look, do you have any, uh, any final thoughts for the, uh, for the listeners? 
Yeah, um, at Shirtbits, we have like a million blog posts about basically everything I've talked about today, um, <laughs> all from DLCs to like BIP8 to Schnorr, Taproot. So um, anything you're curious about, check out a blog post. Me and Adav have probably written a, um, something about it, and they're all pretty in-depth, So or and we have some high-level ones. So for all readers, um, if you want to know more, and I don't know, follow me on Twitter, Ben the Carman. I tweet some stupid stuff and some cool stuff. <laughs> I will be putting a link to your Twitter in the show notes, and if you can, please just send me the link to the uh, the Sherbits uh, blog site so I can get that in the show notes as well. Will do. Man, it's been absolutely awesome having you on, and I, I really hope that uh, I could have you on again. I'd love to come back on. This was great. Very cool, man. So you have yourself a great evening. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ben the Carman. Uh, it's probably one of my more technical episodes. Um, I definitely enjoyed it because discrete log contracts is something I find very fascinating and I totally think it's it's one of those things that, that Bitcoiners or even just people in general just don't quite understand what the implications are. Anyways, very cool stuff. Uh, Ben's contact details will be in the show notes. And of course, if you want to reach me by Telegram or Twitter, I am at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I am CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Thank you all for listening and catch you all next time.